You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. And what we do here on Sundays is basically just go through different topical studies that you as high schoolers go through and basically that we all go through. And today's topic that we have for today in Psalm 32 is a topic that I kind of felt heavy upon this past week as I was studying and the Lord kind of just put this on my heart that I need to talk about um, a certain subject and the subject is called sin. Can everyone repeat after me? Sin. Okay? What is sin? What does God think of sin and how do we handle sin and what exactly is the definition of sin? So basically our theme for today is called missing the mark. And missing the mark is basically what sin means. And it's out of Psalm 32. David would write Psalm 32, and it was basically an acknowledgement of his sin, confession of his sin, but giving over his sins to the Lord. But also he describes what it feels like to be in sin and to hold it to yourself and not give it up. So we're going to read about this. It's called Missing the Mark. And picture a dartboard. You guys like darts, throwing darts? All right, I'm terrible at it. But picture a dartboard, and the center is perfection. The center is God. God is perfect. There is no sin found in him, the Bible says. And that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he, he became sin for us. Meaning that he that knew no sin, he wasn't a sinner, but he was placed on his shoulders all of our sins. And he would die for our sins. But God is perfect. He's the center on the dartboard. And whenever you throw the darts and it misses the, the center, the perfection, you're missing the mark. You're in sin. And some of you can kind of throw on the walls and you're deep in sin. All right? If you look at that analogy. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm hitting the walls too. All right? Now, if you hit the center, don't be like, oh, I hit the center, I'm perfect, I'm God. No, don't do that. This is just an analogy, all right? All right, capiche? Okay, so think of like that, missing the mark, throwing darts. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 can write that down. We all have sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. So this, this topic is for all of us. We all have this in common. We're all sinners. We were born into a sin nature, we're going to live in a sin nature until Jesus comes back, gives us a new glorified body, and then we're in perfection in heaven. But until that time, we have to deal with this thing called sin, and it literally and physically, spiritually, basically is, is bringing us to death. With, this, with sin in our, in our world, it brings death. That's why there's death today. Because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, there was never supposed to be any dying, any death, any pain. It was perfect. But once they committed the sin that God said not to, then they bring in sin to affect the entire human race. So thank you, Adam and Eve, epic fail. What would you like to have that guilt on your shoulders? You just affected the entire human race. And they did. But look, we can't say that we would have done better. I would have done better than Adam. Really? I don't think so. I don't think any of us would have done better. Because it just shows the human heart. God gives us choice. And with choice, we have to choose whether we're going to follow God or follow our sinful nature. So that's missing the mark. Look at Psalm 32 with me. I'm going to read just the five, first five verses, and we're going to discuss what this is. Look what David says in verse 1. Blessed is he or she whose transgressions are forgiven. Underline that word transgressions if it's your Bible. Whose sins are covered. You can underline the word sins. Blessed is the man or woman whose, whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of 
my sin. Amen? God forgives us. Let's pray and let's dive into God's Word. Father, we thank You for this time that we have together to study Your Word and understand a little greater, deeper meaning of what sin is and how it's just um, it's killing us all, Father. But because of Your Son, Jesus who is our Savior. You, you've saved us now from our sins. And Lord, anyone who comes to repentance and faith in you will have the hope of eternity for, for, forevermore. And so we thank you for that hope. But help us, Father, help understand what sin is, how we need to confront it, handle it, and Lord, ultimately have you help us through it. Thank you for this time, Lord. I give you the praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. So what is sin? What basically is the definition of sin? What is it about um, I will tell you this, it's mentioned at least 400 times in the entire Bible, the word sin. 400 times in the Bible. So this is a big, this is a big issue. And in the Bible, it, when it talks about that, Romans 3.23 already talked about this, that we're all sinners. So we all, we're all sinners, it's mentioned many times in the Bible, it's a big deal to God, it separates from, uh, us from Him, it's a big issue that He has. And Galatians chapter 5 I do want to read this because you can ask yourself, like, what's the list of sins? Like, how specific is God when it comes to sin? What's, what's bad in God's eyes? Because now it can be relative. Like, you know, this, this used to be bad, but now it's good. This used to be good, now it's bad. Look, we have to understand God's word is our compass and our instruction manual to life. And what he says is good is good. What he says is sinful is sinful. Plain and simple. No arguments asked and no, no questions asked. And I'm not here to debate with anybody. It's plain and simple in God's word. In Galatians chapter 5, I want to read it to you. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but Galatians 5, verse 19. Paul actually gives us a list of certain sins that God sees as pretty big no-nos. All right? Don't go through this. Don't, go, don't walk down this path of these specific sins that he gives us. Because a lot of us would be like, well, show me what specific sins I can't be doing. Okay? So I'll give it to you guys. Galatians 5, 19. And Paul says this. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. He actually says it's obvious, guys. Then he says here, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty straightforward. And he, pretty, he spat out a, a big list that we had, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but the first one he says, because we're all made in this, we're all sexual beings. God has created sex. It's a good thing, but it can turn bad if you do it the wrong way. So one thing he does says off the bat, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is the Greek word pornea. We get our word pornography from it. It's anything outside marriage between a husband and a wife. Anything outside of that is sexual sin in God's eyes. The world doesn't think so, because the world doesn't know the Scripture, know God's plan for it, but God designed marriage and sex to be between a man and a woman only. And anything outside of that, premarital sex, oral sex, pornography, any of that stuff, is considered sin in God's eyes. So if you want to get specific, and you want to have a debate with me, I'm going to tell you what God's Word says. And God's Word says, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful nature. Now, we all have a sinful nature. There's always temptation that's going to follow us everywhere we go. But right off the bat, he will tell us sexual morality, impurity, hatred, witchcraft. Witchcraft here in the Greek basically means um, pharmacy in our English language, and we get the word um, drugs from this word. Witchcraft, drugs, um, 
kind of what they did in, in those times with um, potions and drugs. God says, stay away from it. Drunkenness. These are specific sins that God says in his word, stay away from. You're missing the mark. Now, I want to tell you guys also that the good news is in Romans 5.8, you can write this down, Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says that God demonstrated his love in that way, that while we were still sinners, still in our sin, Christ died for us. That's amazing to me. Also in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. God is more powerful than our sinful state. His grace exceeds our sin. No matter what sin you're going through, God will give you the abundant grace that you need for today. So I want to tell, talk to you guys basically about what sin is. We kind of get a little specific, but here is basically what sin is. If you want a good definition, it's any rebellion against God and his word. That's what sin is. Rebellion against God and his word. Adam and Eve, when they rebelled against God, they ate of the fruit that Satan said to eat of, that God said not to eat of. They rebelled. And any sinful state that we're in, it's a rebellion against God and his word. No matter where you put it, no matter what sin you're going through, no matter what sin you've committed, it's a rebellious state against God and his word. But there are progressions of sin. In Psalm 32, I had you guys underline these words. I think I missed one, but here it is. Transgressions, sins, and iniquity. He, he quotes these three words, and there's another word called trespass. Now, why would David just, why wouldn't he just call it sin and be done with it? It's all sin, so why does he, why does he have to say transgression? Why does he say iniquity? What is that? Well, he, in the Bible, it tells us what, what it is, and in definitions, I'm going to give you on the screen. And it's kind of a progression of sins. Now, all sin is sin to God, all right? But there are different levels of how sinful you can start getting. It's a slippery slope. And I want to tell you right here real quick, progression of sin, number one, sin, again, basically is missing the mark. And I put in parentheses unintentional because this can be just a plain old average sin where you're just unintentionally sinning. You don't really even know what you're doing. It's ignorance. You know, you kind of just uh, tell a fib you didn't really mean to and you, you, maybe you, uh, I don't know, cheated on your homework and you know what you're doing, but still it's just like kind of a small little petty sin. It's still sin. You're missing the mark. It's not perfection. But progressing from that, now it goes down to trespass. Now the King James Version of the Bible, Jesus would say, forgive your trespasses as you forgive those who trespass against you. This word trespass basically means crossing the line. Now this is unintentional or intentional sin. I give this, I give this illustration that you're, you're walking through like a, a nice private property field or whatever and you don't really know it's private property, it's, it's your neighbor's house or whatever, but you don't really know it's part of their property and you walk around it, you, walk, you cross the line, you trespass through it and they say, hey kids, get off my lawn, that's private property, you're trespassing. Now you can say, well, I didn't know, I didn't know, and you maybe you really didn't know, all right? No, I'm not saying like none of you have done this before, all right? You're just walking through the field, walking through somewhere, and it's trespassing. Either you know it or you don't, it's still sin. So I can't, I can't say, well, I didn't know this was your property. doesn't matter. Now you know, regardless of it, you're still trespassing. So that's a certain type of sin where it's crossing the line. It's a little deeper than just missing the mark. You're kind of getting a little close now. Whether it's unintentional or not, you're trespassing. The Bible also says after trespass, it keeps going, it progresses down to transgression. I talked about this one in Psalm 32. Transgression is deliberately and willfully disobeying. So now this is getting even worse. It's getting worse, folks, all right? But transgression basically means I deliberately and willfully sinned. I disobeyed. 
Okay, so an example of a transgression is I knowingly ran a stop sign. And none of you have done that, right? None of you. Those of you who drive, I know you are good drivers. Although I am guilty of driving past a stop sign. Knowing what I'm doing, I know there's a stop sign at this certain intersection, but yet I don't see any cars coming. I'm like, what the heck? Why do I need to stop? I'm just going to keep on going. I still sinned. I transgressed. It's a transgression. I deliberately and willfully broke the law. And I just kept going. I knew what I was doing. Telling a lie. When you, when you tell a lie, you know what's truth in a lie, and you go and tell it, you're deliberately and willfully disobeying God's word, and you're, sell, you're telling a lie. It's a transgression. It's even deeper than just missing the mark or crossing the line. Now you know what you're doing, and you go ahead and do it. All right, but now there's a fourth one. It's even worse. It just gets worse, baby, okay? You've got sin, trespass, transgression, and now it goes down to iniquity. And this is the worst, all right? I put in parentheses, worst, okay? This is bad. David even said this in Psalm 32, my iniquity. He says here, it's, it basically in a nutshell, this is premeditated choice, continuing without repentance. And in quotes, I've just put, I don't care. This is the worst of the worst. This is the sinful state that you're in, or where I'm in, where it's a premeditated choice. I've thought about it. I've, thought of, I've played it out in my head. Know it in my heart, and I act on it. I'm still going to do it, and I'm not even going to repent of it. Because guess what? I don't care. I don't care that God knows. I don't care that this person knows. They had it coming. You can, be, you can play that blame game. Hey, they did something to me. I'm going to do something back to them. I know what's wrong. I'm still going to do it. I'm not even going to repent of it. I don't care if I did it. That's where it gets wrong. And this is the, the furthest that you can go, kind of, to where God's grace needs to meet you in a special way. Iniquity is the worst of it. And David actually says, David, the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, even says, I had to confess my iniquity. He held iniquity within his heart. And iniquity, again, every sin will start where? Right here, in the mind. We're thinking about it all the time. Translates to our heart. Then we can start speaking it. We can start acting upon it. But iniquity, you're premeditating that choice, and you know what you're going to do, and you don't care. I'm doing it. And I'm not even going to repent of it, because I'm not sorry about it. And I've been there. And I know most of you have, too. We're all sinners. There are certain things that you know, and I'm not even going to ask a show of hands, like, what did you do last week? I don't, I don't want to know. Jesus knows, okay? Thank God for Jesus. He knows our sins, so we can give it back to him and say, Lord, take us away. But a lot of us, even this past week, had a premeditated choice. You're doing something without repenting, and you don't care. I don't care what God's word says. I'm just going to do it. I have no care. There's wrong. It's there, that's when your conscience is basically just seared, and you don't care at all. And there's a progression of sin. Now, again, in a nutshell, sin is rebellious and rebellion against God and his word. That, that's, in, a, in a nutshell, that's what it is. But there are progressions of sin that it even gets worse. That's why David doesn't just say sin. He calls it transgression. He calls it iniquity. The Bible also says trespassing because there's different progressions that you're going down. But there is good news. The good news is God sent his son Jesus to die for those sins that you and I are going through so that we can have the hope of heaven. God did not have to do that. You know that? But he says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God didn't have to do that. He could have let us, let us stay in our sinful state and just die an unhappy life. But God sent his son first. 
but I do want to talk about really quick for our application for today what sin is, because David talks about in Psalm 32, what it is, how do I deal with it, and what, where is God in all this? Where is God in my sin? Did God create sin? Is God the author of sin? No, God's the author of life. But God also gives us choice, and we choose whether we want to follow him or follow ourselves. So basically, in an acronym, because I love acronyms and I love the English language, we've got here, what sin does, just think of the word so, okay? Don't think of like, so what? Just think of so like you're knitting, okay? Anybody knitters in here? Great, okay. This is for you. <laughs> what sin does? It silences, it eats, and it weakens. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 3 and 4. Let's read it. This is what David describes as sin when he harbors it in his heart. What does it start doing to him? What does it start doing to us? Look at verse 3. When I kept silent, it says, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped, as in in the heat of summer. And in those verses, he just said, sin does this to me. It keeps me silent. It shuts me up. I don't want to talk about it with anybody. I don't want anybody else to know. It's going to start eating at me now. When I keep silent, my bones waste away. It physically can eat at you. Also, sin can do physical damage, mental damage, emotional damage, and spiritual damage. That's what sin does. It starts eating at you. It starts gnawing at you. It starts taking over your body, basically, or your spirit with the Lord. And it also weakens you to now where you don't even want to function. You don't want to come to church anymore. You don't want to go to school anymore. You don't want to obey your parents anymore. You don't want to do anything anymore because this certain sin has so eaten at you and wasted you away that you can't even function now in your everyday life. That's sin. And David would admit this. When I kept silent, I don't want anybody else to know my sin. Now it starts eating at me. And Satan will do that too. Hey, remember when you did this the other day? You know, God's not going to forgive you of that. Just keep living the way you're living because there's no hope for you. It starts eating at you. And it physically, I've seen people where it, sin can physically start weakening people where they don't even want to get out of bed and do their normal day lives. It will do all these three things to you. But I love what David says after that. He says, but then, and only then, did I have to do this, and you would forgive me. And this is what we need to do. What we need to do when it regards to sin is act. And I love this one. I made it up, so you can tweet this out if you'd like to. Pastor T. Ham uh, did this, okay? That's a great tweet, whatever. What we need to do, acknowledge, confess, and turn. And in that order. You can't confess a sin unless you acknowledge that it's a sin first. Acknowledge that I'm in this sin and I'm going to confess it now to the Lord and I'm going to turn away from it. Look at verse 5. It's all here in verse 5. David says this, Then I acknowledge my sin to you, to God. I acknowledged it. I understand what it is. I know what it is. And I'm giving it over to you. Then he says, I did not cover up my iniquity. I didn't cover up my premeditated choice that I don't care about anymore. I'm not covering that up anymore. I'm giving it to you. And he says, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. In quotes, he's saying, I'm going to do this. I'm confessing my transgressions and my sins to the Lord. I'm giving it to you. Now, you could ask the question, well, doesn't God know all our sins? So why do we even need to ask for forgiveness? Why do we need to even confess? And I've had people ask me that. Didn't, die, didn't God die on the cross for all sins, and he forgave us on the cross? So why do I have to keep asking for forgiveness and confess my sins? God knows. Right, but you don't know yourself. You don't know yourself. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all else who can know it. Sometimes you don't even know the sins you commit. 
Sometimes they're, they're so stuck in your heart and soul, you don't even know about it. And they've been premeditated in your brain. They're in their, your conscience. You don't even know how to escape from it. See, God knows our sins, but sometimes we don't. We don't even know ourselves. And so God says, for a perfect relationship with me, I want you to confess sin. If you have a friendship, a good core friendship group, the Bible also says confess your sins to one another. There's two people we confess our sins to, one another and to God. One another to justify ourselves between them and to hold us to each other accountable. And number two, to justify ourselves with God, to say, God, forgive me of my sins. Because only God can forgive us. Forgive me of my sins. I confess what I did. And it's not that we're going to be made perfect all, and we're never going to sin again. It will come back. But we have to understand that there's a, there's a relationship that we need to understand. That as this comes, I need to understand what it is. I need to give it back to the Lord. And now, the word t, uh, turn, we need to turn from it and not go back. Proverbs says, tells us this. I forget which Proverbs it is. But it says, a dog returns to its vomit. Let me repeat that again. A dog returns to its vomit. And it's so true. Growing up, I had a chocolate lab. Beautiful dog. She would throw up a lot, and then she'd go back and start eating it. It was like leftovers again. And I actually watched. Wow. That's amazing. Let me try. No, I'm just kidding. I would throw up after that, and she would eat my own throw up. It's disgusting, all right? What does that mean, though? A dog returns to its vomit. Basically, it's saying we all will go back. If we don't take care of it, we'll go back to our same sin that is so disgusting. And sin is like vomit. It's disgusting toward, to God. But sometimes we don't see that. And a dog's mind, it's like, oh, it's free food. All right. Dude, where did this come from? Dogs can be stupid in that. Dogs are great man, best friends. I love dogs, but they can be stupid in that area. They barf. They say, nice meal. Mm, mm, mm. That's disgusting. But isn't that what we do in our sinful nature? It is. We, we give up something. I miss it so much. I miss what I had. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to eat it up again. Dude, that was disgusting what happened, though. That's a disgusting, sinful state you were in. I'm going back, though. See that, that image? It's like, why would we ever do that? But it's so true, because our sinful nature, it's so appetizing. We want to go back to the slop. It's disgusting, though, and God says, I want you to turn away from that. Move on. Move forward. But we can't do all of this unless we have God's help. So we can acknowledge sin, confess, and turn, but guess what? Then God does the rest. And here's what God does. He forgives, he forgets, and I had to find another F word, filters, a good F word. Forgives, forgets, filters, okay? What do I mean by that? He forgives in Psalm 32, one, look at where, where we're in right now. He says, blessed is he who transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is basically mean happy. Happy is the person whose transgressions are forgiven. In Jeremiah 33, eight, you can write this down. God says, I will, I will forgive your sins of rebellion and wash away your sins completely. God forgives us of our sins. When we confess, then he also forgets. It's not like he forgets, like, oh, what did you do last week? I don't remember. I'm God, but I can't remember your sins. It's not like he forgets. He knows, but he chooses not to hold it against you. He, Psalm 32, verse 2, look what it says here. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. He doesn't count it against you. And in Hebrews 8.12, it says, the Lord remembers your sins no more. He chooses not to hold on to your sins. But how many of us hold on to our own sins and it weighs us down so much? We can point the finger at other people and, hey, remember what you did last week? God still doesn't love you for that. And that's just wrong. The Bible says, don't judge other people lest you be judged. 
Don't look at someone's plank in, in, your, in their eye when you've got a huge thing in your own eye. Basically saying, don't look at the sin in someone else's life when you've got the same sin in your own life. That's a hypocrite. But there is time for righteous judgment. But God chooses not to hold it against us. He forgets it no more. He doesn't remember it about us. But how many of us still remember our own sins? There's a time where we need to actually forget and forgive ourselves. And some of you in this room, and I know I've gone through this, I harbor my sins and the past that I was in and the same sinful state that I was in, and I don't forget about it, and I keep dwelling on it, and I keep meditating on it, and I haven't forgiven myself. So then I start thinking, God hasn't forgiven me. I'm in a weird state with God now. No, actually, God did forgive you. You haven't forgiven yourself yet. You need to start doing that. If God forgets, why are you remembering? If God forgets about my sins, why do I, why do I have to keep remembering about it? I need to forget about it as well. But he also filters. And in 1 John 1.9, and I have it here on the screen, 1 John 1.9 is the greatest verse, I think, in most of the whole Bible. Write it down if you don't know it. But here's the good news. If we confess our sins... If, we have to make a choice. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us. There's that word, filter. Purifies us from all unrighteousness. God not only forgives, he then washes you clean. He makes you look more like his son. He makes you look pure like you never did anything. He expunges your records. He gives you immunity. He doesn't remember anymore. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, and he's going to forgive you and me. Amen? I better get a bigger amen than that. This is good news, people. God forgives your sin and my sin. If we confess, though, and that's, here's, the, here's the, the ticker, basically. God can't forgive until we confess. And that's true. God does not have to forgive us our sins if we keep holding on to him. There is a verse in the Bible in Isaiah that says, if I hold my iniquity, if I keep holding on to it, you're not going to bless me and you're not going to forgive me. God cannot forgive us until we confess it. And some of you in this room need to confess some sin. I don't know what it is, but I went over that big list in Galatians chapter 5. Whether it is going to parties, but you still come to church. Whether it is pornography. Whether it is lying whether it is fits of rage, whether it is jealousy, whatever sin that you're going through, God can forgive you, and you if you confess it. And you know, I know, the sin that I need to give up to the Lord. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Hey, what sin did you do? God knows. But we confess it because it's a good relationship. It's a right relationship with him. And the list that Galatians chapter 5 says a very strict warning. And you guys have to learn this young because if you don't learn this now, you're going to grow up and not care about this if you don't get it now. The Bible says that these sins, if we choose to live in this lifestyle, in that, there is no inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. There is no hope of heaven. If you continue to live in that state, there are two destinies, heaven or hell. And I'm a firm believer in that. The Bible makes that clear. If we don't confess our sin and we start getting stuck in our sinful state, no matter what it is, it's a rebellion against God. If we continue in that lifestyle, Paul gives a strict, strict warning. There is no inheritance in God's kingdom of heaven. Heaven is right now for you. For the Christian, we're waiting for heaven. For the non-Christian who lives in this lifestyle, this is the only heaven they're going to get. 
I don't mean for this to be a gloomy, like, oh, this is like a terrible topic. This makes me so depressed. It's like, no, this should be rejoicing and joyful because God forgives us when we confess. It's as simple as that. And maybe there's someone in the room that you need to go to and say, hey, I need to have an accountability partner. I need to confess some sin with you. I need you to hold me accountable to this. I want to put my trust in you that you're going to keep this confidential, but I need to confess something to you. And I encourage you guys to do that. But I also encourage you to confess your sins solely to God as well. Because if we don't, God doesn't have to forgive us. And it hurts him. It breaks his heart. And David admits it. David says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are, co are covered. God covers up your sins. He says no more. And he gives us a description. When you're in that sinful state, this is what it does to you. And it's so true. Sin is the disease that's killing us all. It is. But God be the glory because he sent a way to get rid of it and to follow him and to never have this, hopeful, this unhopeful state of like, where am I going in life? This is all I know. I need something bigger. And it's God. Where grace abounded, where, where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. God is bigger than your sins. Do you believe that? He is. If you don't, I'm going to ask that you understand that today. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray for you right now that your sins may be forgiven and that you may be washed clean. We all need a good washing, physically too. All right, we all need to get clean before the Lord. But the good thing is, once we confess it, he forgives and he washes it clean. Amen to that. It's, it's amazing to me to think how much people can stay in their, in their sinful state and they're, they're stuck there where they feel like they're trapped. You're not trapped. That's what sin does. It makes you think you're trapped and you're chained to your sin. But to God be the glory, Jesus says, I have broken all these chains and I've, I have come here to set you free and to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to give you the hope of heaven. And Satan has no match for that and he is not welcome in this room or in this building at all. Amen? Amen. 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 So I'm going to pray for you guys. You can clap to that. It's good. Praise God. And again, I want to pray for you guys. I'm going to close with this. Some of you may be thinking you're still in this iniquity state where you're like, I don't care about this sermon. I don't care about what he's saying. I don't care about the sin that I'm in. It's not my place to convert you. But it is my place to pray for you. And I'm going to be praying for you. And I know there's some people in this room that honestly don't care what I've just said. I don't take it personally. I'm, there, I'm right there with you because we're all sinners but I can tell you that God has washed me clean and I'm forgiven. And only forgiven people go to heaven, not good people, forgiven. And I know without a doubt that I'm forgiven. Am I ever going to commit a sin ever in my life? Yes. I'm a sinner. But God is a great Savior. And he can save any one of you. And I want to pray for you right now. Whatever sin you're going through, whatever sin that you're stuck in, God can set you free. And he loves you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We want to give you our sin, our trespasses, our transgressions, our iniquity. Father, blessed is he or she whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Father, that does make us happy. makes us joyful to know that. And Lord, I know that this has been kind of a heavy topic, but that's what sin is. It's, it's heavy. It weighs on us. It eats at us. It weakens us. 
It's hurt so many people in so many lives. It's the disease that's killing us, Lord. It's, it's bigger than any cancer. It's bigger than anything that we can ever imagine. It's, it's killing us. So, Father, because of that, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, who, who didn't have to come, but chose to, to humble himself, to become like us, to know what we go through, to understand that he was, he, he was tempted just like us, yet it was without sin. He was perfect. Lord, he knows exactly what we're all going through because he went through it as well. And we thank you for sending him to die for us and ultimately to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I pray for those in here that are going through a certain type of sin, Lord, that, that, that they've been silent about. They haven't confessed it to anyone. They, Lord, they haven't even confessed it to you. I pray that even today they would find that certain someone and confess this sin but ultimately, Lord, confess it to you, and Lord, you are faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse them. We thank you so much for your forgiveness. Lord, we have walked away from you. This nation is not a Christian nation as it used to be. Lord, we are following after ourselves. But Lord, I, I pray that you would give us the hope of heaven for those that know you in a personal way, and I pray for those that don't know you in a personal way, that their sins can be forgiven, they can be washed clean, they can be made holy, they can be made right before you, and Father, that they can know what your ultimate love means. Help us, Lord, to actually feel that love. Satan has no place in this room. Satan has no place in these lives in here, in any of our lives. He has no room. Because, Lord, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God, you are great, and we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, as our Savior. So we give you this time. We praise your name. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.